Welcome to the Institute Journal Podcast. This is a podcast series where we discuss published articles with authors and provide a forum for the open exchange of ideas, information, and solutions. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Brandon Cox, Senior Editor of the Institute Journal. Today we discuss the article, Changing the Likership Mindset, by author Sergeant Major Joseph W. Frost. Before we kick things off, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Uh, yes, uh, thanks for having me on, first of all. It's a pretty cool experience. Uh, my name is Sergeant Major Joe Frost. I am from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I joined the Army in uh, October of 2001. I am married to my wife, Jessica, and we have two daughters, Emmeline and Olivia. Currently, I'm here in uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota Recruiting Battalion as the Operations Sergeant Major, and I am a Class 73 Sergeant's Major Academy graduate. So you write in your article that leaders who are liked attain more influence, more commitment from their soldiers, and create more positive working environments around the Army. What inspired you to write about this topic? I would say the biggest thing that inspired me was growing up in the Army. I've been in the Army for 22 years, and throughout my entire time in the Army, I've heard so many leaders talk about the opposite that leadership is not likership. And you're, you know, when I look at that, I'm like, well, my mindset is your soldiers should like your leader. Uh, you should want to be around that person. And I've always had that mindset for the majority of my career and continuing to hear leaders to this day, 22 years later, still have that mindset sort of drove me to, to write about this. Uh, now, I would assume that you've experienced a liked leader, kind of like the one you're describing. Can you tell us about um, someone that, that helped mentor you? Uh, yeah, so I've had a lot of good leaders. I've had a lot of bad leaders. I would say specifically, um, one of my first leaders I've ever had, I really, I, to this day, I still keep in contact with him. You know, that's 22 years later, right? So he he was a big impact on on my career as far as my style of leadership and you know he did those things he he had his standards and discipline uh for me to to follow he was fair and impartial he you know if if i if i messed up he would tell me if i was doing good he'd tell me you know i witnessed moments where he would legitimately stand up for me and my character and my personality as a soldier he was definitely genuine um, and he, he never really, he never added stress to my day and he always communicated with me. And those are the five things I talked about in my, my article. When there was work to be done, he was the type of leader that would get dirty with you. Um, and he would be right there with you alongside of you, uh, making sure things were done. And then there was times where he would just let me be and do my thing, uh, to accomplish the mission, um, by myself just to see how I would do, you know, and, and that's the kind of leader I think you need to be, you know, let your people make mistakes um, so they can learn from them and not always be in their in their way. Um, so he was a big impact on how I my, led my teams and my soldiers uh, throughout my career. And, you know, again, that was 22 years ago. A lot of what you say here really resonates with me because and if he hears this, he's going to be excited again. But uh, Sergeant Wood, he's a first sergeant now, but uh, he was my squad leader back in 2013 and 
he was the same, just just as you described. Someone who sticks up for you, somebody who's always there uh, to listen to your complaints and you know try and try and figure out a, a best solution for everything that's going on. Somebody who's going to stick stick after work and 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 sweep the floor with you if you need it. And you don't you don't get those all the time, but when you do, you notice it. I have a favorite quote actually. It's a a, le- a good leader takes a little more than his share of the blame and a little less than his share of the credit. And that's by Arnold Glasow, if I remember correctly. And uh, I love that line because it means that people are going to stick up for you uh, when you need it. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great quote. Um, it really is, a, you know, and that's another thing about, you know, it's not something I wrote in my article, but it really is something, you know, leaders should take the blame. Overall, it's their responsibility, right? That as leaders, um, you're, you're, that's your responsibility for your team's mistakes in their but when they succeed you know oftentimes the leader isn't the workhorse right it the people on your team are so they should get all the credit <clears throat> but uh you know that is an amazing quote um can, can you talk about in your article you talked about two types of leadership power can you describe those yes uh so the there's two main categories of power right uh positional and personal um Generally, there's about five types of leadership power, um, and they fall within those two categories, right? So, you know, for example, positional power, you have, excuse me, you have your coercive, uh, legitimate, and reward powers. Um, You know, so basically what that is, is, you know, legitimate power is, that's what you get when you become assigned as a leader, right? You are the first sergeant, right? That's, you have legitimate power just because of the position that you're in and then you have your reward and coercive powers which are pretty self-explanatory you have the power to reward and you have the power to punish that's essentially what positional power is personal power is when we're talking about uh, expert power so how competent are you what's your knowledge uh, of a particular skill or topic and then referent power which to me is the most important of any of them uh, and that's what that's where you know the likership comes in. You know, referent power is that do you trust your leader or do you respect them? Uh, do you like them? Uh, are you wanting to be around them? That kind of uh, power that that's referent power. That's what you want out of a leader. Um, now, what I've seen is some leaders don't understand how to balance those two uh, successfully, um, and some may use more positional power over the personal and vice versa. Um, and you can't have that. You have to have a really good balance of both of those. Because uh, if you use too much personal power, then it's almost like leaning towards like a friendship kind of thing, right? So, and that's just my opinion on it. Because now you're not showing that you have the power to, or willingness to reward or punish people for you know and punish is a harsh word but you know coercive is just ensuring that there's the discipline that's there um that they know there's consequences for their actions essentially right it's not that they're getting punished like article 15s and things like that it's just knowing that they they have that you know consequence if they make a poor decision right so but the ability for a leader to balance those two is extremely important uh to being able to gain that likership throughout your team and, uh, you know, essentially unlocking their potential. 
So let's say that you're Sergeant or Staff Sergeant Frost. You're a squad leader and you get a new soldier. How do you start building some of that trust and and some of that respect with that new soldier? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I'm going to be upfront. I'm not a big person on uh, first impressions. Um, and I say, and I'll, I'll answer your question here in a second, but because um, first impressions to me are sometimes mis mis uh, misguiding right deceiving you might have a leader who makes that good first impression but down the road uh as you work with that person more and more you realize that they weren't actually the leader that they perceived to be initially right so yes there's ways that you can start building that trust but the important part is is maintaining that throughout the time as you being a leader of a soldier right um and some of those things really is um, being, it, it's very simple stuff, right? Just being engaged, um, uh, making sure you take care of them and their families, right? Uh, getting to know them personally, um, you know, asking those questions about their family, um, especially if they're brand new to the unit, you know, uh, straight from, you know, AIT or something, right? It's their first duty station and they have a family, you know, uh, this is just one example, right? You know, hey, you know, making sure their family's settled, the, you know, they have a place to stay there. Uh, they got the things they need to, you know, sustain a good family home life uh, and things like that uh, are very important um, to get going. Right. And and continuing that mindset as, you know, that's not, not like the only time you want to talk about those things or make sure those are things are good um, with your soldier. Right. It's a, it's an ongoing thing. Um, another thing, um, and this could be at any level as a leader, right? You want to ask soldiers what they expect of you, right? When they first arrive, um, you know, you talk about their expectations and things like that, that you have of them, but it's really important to start gaining leadership and referent power when you ask them what they expect of you. And then you do it, right? You don't just ask the question as a, just to ask it. You, you actually follow through on what you, what they say they expect of you and i think if you you start doing those things and you continue to do that uh you know you'll you'll start gaining that that likership um and for me one of the most common responses and this is why i wrote about it in my article one of the most common responses uh to when i ask hey what do y'all expect of me as your first sergeant or leader um the the biggest response was to have their back right? To fight for them, to stand up for them. That was the biggest answer uh, that I've received uh, as a leader, um, you know, coming up in the army. And, uh, you know, I would say that's one of the most critical components of being a leader is to have your people's back. That's an amazing response. I, I don't think I've ever had a first sergeant ask me what I expected of him. And w what you're talking about there is servant leadership, right? Thinking that, uh, yes, that, as a leader, you, you're working for your soldiers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that I mean, that is what that is what you do, right? Like, I know I don't, you know, I think some people just uh, they may think that oh, serving is just kind of like a thing to say, you know. Um, and there are people who don't actually do that though. But like I kind of going back to what I previously said, when your team succeeds, who's the workhorse? If I'm a first sergeant of an organization, 
we succeed at something, did I really put in all that effort? I don't think so, right? It it was my soldiers and NCOs that did that stuff, right? So I'm my job is to be there to make sure they have the resources, the capabilities, uh, fight for them when you know when it's needed, and you know just in any way provide my input to help them achieve their mission, right? That's all a leader should be doing. Uh, especially at the first sergeant levels, right? Is you know, or really any level. But um, again, you can still get involved and get get down and dirty with them and do the job itself. But your really your main goal as a leader is to ensure that you serve them in a way that they can accomplish the mission. Um, and and that's why I think that question of what do you expect of me is huge. Um, you know, because you're there for them. Um, you join essentially the way I look at it is you join their team. Right. They didn't join your team. You joined them and you're there to help them be successful. Yeah, I was wondering, um, do you have one of those stories um, where either you were taken care of or vice versa? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of my stories probably come from recruiting. Um, I've been recruiting for probably 13 total years of my career. Um, So a lot of my experiences come from that. And I would say it's kind of a two part question, right? So it was a long time ago. I I was actually a staff sergeant and we had, uh, we were having a really rough time in recruiting, uh, our station was, and, um, we weren't making mission. Um, we were doing really bad. Our leader at the time, uh, we had multiple leaders at the time, uh, really. Um, and the vibe that I got from them was, it was our fault. Right. Um, which we did everything we could, um, you know, get make appointments and put people in the army. Right. But uh, it, essentially having our back was not there. Um, it, we would constantly be getting like negative vibes and negativity from him, the the leaders above us. Um, and we, we kind of felt like it was, a, you know, it, it kind of destroyed the morale, honestly. Uh we stuck together really good. It's kind of like one of those moments where you're, you build really good bonds in bad times. Um, and so we stuck together, together really good and we still did what we had to do to, to try to be the best we could, but our, our leaders weren't that great. Now I say that to say this part, we had a new leader come in and we started to make mission. No problem. Like we went from a long time of struggling to immediately starting to make mission, being successful, and literally turn things around completely. It's the same team, the same market, the same everything. It was just a different leader. And what did that leader do? Well, literally every day he came in office and shook our hands. He established a very positive uh, atmosphere within within the office. We never heard from leadership above us again. We never heard negativity that we heard previously from other leaders. Um, and it, and we, we just quickly felt like he had our back. Uh, again, he, he still had his, his standards, right. That we had to follow. Um, but he, he didn't, he took away that stress level, right. Where the other leaders kind of compiled it on top of us on everything else that we were already stressed about, um, you know, trying to make mission. He took all that away, all that pressure away from us and it allowed us to, to blossom into really good recruiters and a really good team uh, where we 
we were able to focus on our strengths and use that as we recruited. And it really turned things around and helped us be one of the best, best teams in the company. Yeah. What do you think were some of those things that, that that new commander was doing to try and reduce that stress level and mitigate it? I would only imagine it just because I've been in that position again, uh, you know, where, uh, as a, you know, leading a, a team of recruiters. Uh, but at the time I wouldn't, I didn't really know what he was doing. It seemed like a lot of behind the door stuff of just fighting with, uh, you know, the leaders above us to kind of stay out of our way and let him run things. And that was a big thing, uh, that I thought, um, he did well was, was like, Hey, this is my team, right? Let me do what I got to do to help them make their mission and achieve and be successful, but stay out of my way. He continued to do that. And I think that's, that was a big factor, uh, in, in how that atmosphere changed, um, the way we did things. Now you talk about in your article too, about having like predictable work schedules and stuff like that. I said, and that, that stuck out to me because I said this often, it seems like, uh, seems like most soldiers know that a field's coming up in three months, but they have no idea if they'll be home for dinner on Friday. Uh, what do you think leaders need to do to maintain that predictability in in the workplace? Having predictable schedules is really comes down to leadership above the, you know, platoon level almost. Um, Cause what I've seen a lot of times, right. Is, you know, your platoon or your, your section will have a really good uh, idea of how the day is going to go or the work week's going to go. Um, but then like, bam, somewhere out of nowhere, you know, first sergeant comes in and it's like, hey, we got to do this, or hey, this changed, the Italian said this, or, you know, and it continues to trickle down from the top. And I, and I think what's important is to try to, you know, it, it, you know are things really that much of a priority um, to knock out these little taskers? When a lot of things like those little things come down, it, it almost seems like everything's important. Right. But it's it's not what's really important. Um, and that's what you as a leader, you have to figure out um, still do the, the task. Right. But maybe not jump through hoops. Right. Or stay until six o'clock, seven o'clock or however late at night to knock something out that could easily be done tomorrow. And I and on top of that, right, I wrote in my article and this is really like a huge thing for me. Right. Is you may have had to deal with that. Right. As a leader coming up getting all these unpredictable schedules and uh, after work text messages and things like that. But why do you have to continue doing that? Right. You should be the leader to stop that stuff. And I guarantee you, if you're that kind of person that says I'm done with that kind of stuff, I don't want my soldiers to deal with the the nonsense that I dealt with coming up. Like that's going to establish that likership for you, for your soldiers. Cause generally Soldiers want the same things out of their leader. They want the same things, right? They don't want to be bothered after work. Uh, you know, that's just from my experience, right? Be that leader that says no more, right? I'm going to stop that. I'm not going to bother my team after work. And I, and I really think doing those things will alleviate that stress, provide some predictability. And, and really, you need all that stuff to let the soldiers rejuvenate, right? You want them to continue to be strong the next day uh, and months from now, right? So and those are ways to do that. I completely agree with you. I was wondering, as you know, as you were a first sergeant, as a sergeant major, 
did you ever see these problems, all of these orders coming down from the three, trickling down, like g- about to cause an explosion? Like, how would you mitigate that? And did you see them? And could you could you fix it? Yeah. So, as this kind of goes back to you know taking care of your people, right? So, uh, and not adding that stress level. So, if I even as a first sergeant, even now as a sergeant major, if I get something, the tasker is like due tomorrow. What I'll do is basically reach back out to brigade and say, hey, we're not going to be able to get this done on time, but we'll get it done on this day, right? And then now it's going to alleviate that last minute thing, right? Because I have NCOs out here in, in recruiting across four states that have a bigger focus, um, which is putting people in the army, right? So any time that something comes down to do an extra tasker is going to take them away from doing that important mission. That's what I think is needed, right? More by the leaders is to, it really comes down to that. It's just preventing it uh, from being disseminated and having that communication with uh, the higher echelons to, to determine a better day. Um, and that way it kind of, you know, helps with the predictability. I feel like there's so much we could talk about. Honestly, I could talk about this kind of stuff for, for days. Like it, it one of my, I just love the leadership thing. Like, I just love it. Um, and leading is a people business, right? So it, if you don't understand that leading is about people and serving those people that you lead, then you'll never get the likership of your team, right? You never get it, right? And we, and we talked about, you know, some real world examples, you know, but here's the kind of thing that I like to, to put into perspective, right? If you have a leader walk into a room, how do you react to that? When you find out a leader from outside your team is going to visit you, how do you feel about it? If you find that like you're trying to avoid that interaction, I guarantee you that leader that's coming hasn't established that personal power, right? That referent power, likership. I bet you they haven't done it because if they did, you'd want to be there to engage with them in conversation and be around them. Um, so that I think is a really big thing for leaders to understand. Like, don't be that leader that comes in and says, you know, with the mentality of like, I am the Sergeant major, I am the first Sergeant. So you'll do what I got it. I need you to do. Like, that's not how it should work. It, it's really the other way around. And, and understanding that will help you with your team want like enjoying you visiting. Right. And I think that's a big thing. You know, I, I had the very fortunate instance of uh, being able to interview former SMA Daniel Daly, and there was a few things that he said that just nobody else said. He said that he treated his soldiers like they were his children, and he treated his children like they were his soldiers. Um, he was very humble in everything that he said. He was very genuine. It go, I say that to say um, that I think the best leaders are the ones who are, you know, they're out front, they're beside you. They're, they're pushing you. They're showing you and setting the right example. They know what to say and when to say it. They don't just talk. And when they do talk, right. they know what they're talking about. And they fight for you. You know, whether you know it or not, they're trying to help you get home on time. They're trying to get you to your appointment. They're trying to get you to go take care of your family. But they're trying to get stuff at work done too. And I think that that communication needs to be both ways. That way that the the leader can take from the soldier like, hey, I understand like you you have all this going on. 
here's what we have, okay? You know, this is these are the things that are coming down, and we have to knock these out, and I need you to do this and this and this and this. And then that way, you know, because I know enough about you, right, that that way you get these things done, and, and you're going to be able to get that time to go do what you need to get done. And I think it that's the way that I've always been in my leadership style, and a lot of the leaders that I uh, that I looked up to were that way. Yeah, well, I'd say you're on the right track then. You know, being able to to you know balance the work and personal life stuff, right? Um, and as a leader, you have to be able to be willing to lose a team member for a few hours to take care of themselves or their family, um, because is it really gonna hinder your mission accomplishment for losing them for a couple hours a day, or you know, for one day of a week, right? Most likely not. Um, but the leaders really have to understand that and how to cover down if needed. You know, obviously you can't lose your whole team in one day, um, you know, unless it's a team event, right? Um, I believe I talked about that in my article too. Um, Taking time with your whole team to do stuff during the work hours, not after work. Like, hey, let's do a team event after, you know, final formation or whatever. Doing it during the workday. Positivity you get out of that just by doing that every once in a while with your team, you know, instead of, you know, and I've done it in recruiting. We we would literally not do anything for recruiting in one day and go do stuff, um, you know, like escape rooms or, you know, playing sports or whatever, just us as a team. Being able to balance those things is really important. Yeah, that's hard, right? Creating that space for, uh, for exactly. team building. I think good leaders look for those opportunities and they're hard to, they're hard to come by. To kind of put this to a close, Sergeant Major, what would you want NCOs to take away from your article? I really want, I would say, the NCOs to understand this one thing. No matter how much you follow or do those leader, leader actions that I discussed in the article, there are many other things you know that I could write about it. I just wrote five of them. But just know that not everybody is going to like you no matter how well you do as a leader, right? Just It's just not going to happen. Now, there will always be people that don't agree with your style of leadership. But the majority of your people, your team, should like you. You're never going to make anybody 100% happy in your formation. But when the majority are not, that's when it's a problem. And that's when you really got to look at yourself and figure out a way to you know, change your style of leadership so that way your people, the majority of them, do like who you are as a leader. So that's that's first and foremost. And I would say, you know, you kind of hit it earlier with, you know, Sergeant Major of the Army daily, right? He said, treat your people like they're your children, right? Uh, basically meaning love your people, right? You have to love your people. And, and I take that quote from an instructor of mine at the Sergeant Major Academy. He said that all the time. You got to love your people. And that really hit, like, hit me. You know, what? that's exactly what I'm talking about in my article. You, if you love your people, you're going to treat them in a way that they're going to love you back. You show them your heart and they're going to help you achieve success and that team to achieve success uh, at all costs. Right? And, I, and I think if you do those things, you'll be well on your way to changing the mindset that leadership is likership. Thank you, Sergeant Major, for joining us. And a thank you to our audience. Remember to put your knowledge to the page, submit articles, and get published with the NCO Journal. Don't forget to check out our webpage, 
and follow us on social media. We'll catch you next time on the NCO Journal Podcast.